This podcast is now brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And it's everything you need to make a podcast great in one place. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast. This is episode 20. This podcast is sponsored by Generation You Can, the smarter energy nutrition that's powered by Superstarch, a slow-release complex carbohydrate that uniquely delivers steady, long-lasting energy to keep you fueled and feeling good. Visit generationyoucan.com.au and use the code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER for 15% off your first purchase. That's generationyoucan.com.au and use the code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER. Generation Ucan, the best choice for steady energy. This podcast is also brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash breaking the barrier. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's www.audibletrial.com forward slash breaking the barrier. My name is Andrew Lorenzo, and I have committed myself to pushing my body and mind to their limits in my attempt to run a 2 hour and 40 minute marathon by the year 2020. Over the course of my journey starting in 2018, I've discovered many things about the human spirit that I want to share with all of you. It's my hope that I'll help you reach your true potential and inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. With the help of an amazing community of listeners and speakers, we can all push ourselves harder than we ever have in hopes of breaking the barrier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast, where I hope to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. I'm Andrew Lorenzo. Thank you so much for listening. For all things Breaking the Barrier, you can check out the website, breakingthebarrierrunning.com. It's got show notes. It's got updates. It's got everything about the show and myself that you need. It's also got links to my mindfulness coaching and life coaching services if you want to check those out. And you can also find a link to request to join the Facebook community group where you can share your experiences, ask questions, and find out what's going on with the rest of the Breaking the Barrier community. We've got a really great episode today. We're going to be talking to Andy and Maria. So I had a conversation with them a couple of weeks ago about Park Run. You've heard me talk about Park Run a couple of times, and I really wanted to get those two on to talk a little bit more about what Park Run is, what their involvement is with it, and and what the benefits are. So I'm really excited to share that with you. Before we get into that, I'd like to give a couple of shout outs to members of the Breaking the Barrier community who are, as always, going above and beyond. So firstly, we've got Desiree. Desiree said in the Facebook community group, thanks for having me here. I'm on week two of nursing a right-sided shin splint, so I'm going to pull out some DVDs of some Tony Horton P90X arms and core to keep myself going. That's great, Desiree. So basically, she's got some injury happening at the moment, and she's doing what she can to make sure that she can keep active and keep 
on that road toward her goals. Just because something is stopping you doesn't mean they have to stop altogether. So that's great, Desiree. Well done. Wendy said, talk about breaking the barrier. I just followed the only wheelchair participant in tonight's race two of the Sunset Series up the Anderson Street Hill, and I didn't catch her. Didn't catch her name, but I'm utterly humbled by her pace and how much fun she was on the course. Wow, that's amazing. I That always just surprises me when I see wheelchair participants in the race. Because it's such, it's so hard. I mean, when you're running, of course, you're running on your legs, right? When you're doing that same distance relying on your arms, it's a much smaller muscle. So I have to imagine how difficult that must be. That's awesome stuff. So, Wendy, thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. Another shout out to Wendy, of course, who finished the 10K roller coaster run with me a couple weeks ago. Shani also finished that run with me, as well as Simon, who did the half marathon. So congratulations, guys. That was a crazy, ridiculous course. (laughs) Here it is at the time of this recording, two days after, and my legs are still killing me. So that was a lot of fun. Congratulations, guys. We've also got Jennifer, who said in the Facebook community group, decided to hit the trails today and try out my new shoes. I had to cut it short to make sure I could pick up Emily from school on time. The only downside was that I had to then finish my planned 18-mile run with the last 3.7 miles on the treadmill. It's a lot harder to stop running, drive for a while, and then start running again than I thought it would be. Fun things about my run? Saw 10 deer, only got lost 6 times, 8 creek crossings, and I only lost one shoe in the mud. Can't wait to do it again. Wow, that sounds like... That sounds like an adventure, Jennifer. So you only got lost six times. Well, you're 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 definitely after my own heart. That I get lost quite a bit. Uh, but that's that's sometimes a lot of fun. And and you lost a shoe in the mud. That's interesting. Must have been some really tough mud out there. Uh, really, really thick. Hey. Eh? So yeah, that's that's great though that you were able to finish the run. And that can be really mentally challenging to stop and then start again. So really well done on getting it done. Annabelle said, I ran my sixth half marathon today, although it was one of my slowest. But I didn't have a time goal. It was so hot, and I feel like that really affects me. During the last few kilometers, I had some negative thoughts pop into my head when I estimated what my time would be and thoughts that I'd never be able to run under two hours. But I pushed out those thoughts and just kept on running and was still very proud of myself. It felt really, really good. Moral of the story, if in doubt, leave it for a few hours, and it generally comes right. Keep calm and run. That's awesome, Chris. I'm so happy to hear that. There are so many times where I know a lot of us will wake up and say, "Not, nah, I just, I'm not feeling it today. And yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Sometimes it's good to just have a day off. But sometimes you find it within yourself to actually keep going and and you break through a barrier that you might have otherwise not have broken through. No, maybe it wasn't your fastest run. Maybe it wasn't the best run, but it might have felt really good. And it doesn't have to be fast. It doesn't have to be pretty. But knowing that you got out there and you did that. Maria are two really good friends of mine. They're just amazing people. They've got hearts of gold and... 
they're part of this entity known as Parkrun. So Andy and Maria actually volunteer with Parkrun and they kind of help run the show for the Wyndham Bell Parkrun. They both work full-time jobs throughout the week. They work in the education sector. So anybody who works in the education sector, firstly, has my just amazingly huge respect because they work hard. They shape Graham the other day, you know, because he had obviously tagged breaking the barrier. And he actually ran a 335 kilometer, which is crazy fast. I mean, my goal marathon for that 240 marathon is a 345 kilometer. So he ran a 335 kilometer, which translates to about like a 545 mile or something like that. So he ran, he was running at a sub six mile pace. So that's really awesome. So Bodie, my apologies for getting it wrong last week and congratulations on that amazing, amazing kilometer pace. So now I'd like to get into the conversation that I had with Henry Howard. So Henry is a great example of a success story. He's come from a place where he never really felt the desire to run. He went through high school and college not really realizing his full potential. In 2011, he decided that he would take up running. It wasn't pretty, and it was a, it was a run that many of us can relate to. It was forced, struggled, and challenging, but he knew he wanted to continue to make himself better. And within six months, he was running his first half marathon. Now, eight years later, he has many achievements under his belt. He's qualified for the Boston Marathon, which is no easy feat. He's run ultra marathons, and he's even placed on the podium in his age group multiple times. So it wasn't an easy road as he's dealt with injuries and setbacks, but he always pushed forward. Now, I had a really great time interviewing Henry. There were a couple moments where in the Skype call, the connection kind of went haywire because, you know, we were speaking at opposite ends of the earth. So I think we did pretty well. And for whatever reason, my mic was playing up. So it's going to be one of the first times where I think the quality of Henry's voice is actually better than mine. But that's okay because basically he's the important one. What he is saying is what I want you to pay attention to. So I really hope that you enjoy my conversation with Henry Howard. So I'm here with Henry Howard, who has agreed to spend his, I think, Wednesday night with me for a little bit. Of course, it's Thursday here. So thanks, Henry, for being with me. Real pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, no worries. So basically, I'd like to start out. Obviously, you and I met through the Marathon Training Academy, and the way that we met is, I think, what you do for a living. So I'll start off by asking you what you do for a living. So I work for the American Legion, which is the uh, America's largest veteran service organization in our media and communications department. So that means a lot of writing, a lot of editing, and that kind of thing. All, all things communications from magazine to website to social media to a little bit of everything. Yeah, right. Okay, so you're, you're a journalist for them sort of thing? Exactly. And so that's, I've carried that into my running side of my life um, with my own website, which I know we'll, we'll talk about later. And I also do 
um, regular posts for Marathon Training Academy. And like you said, that's how we first connected. How did you hook up with Marathon Training Academy? I've been running since 2011, and I had been self-coached for the first three years. And I realized in 2014 that that may not have been the best scenario for me because I was dealing um, with something you're currently familiar with, uh, an IT injury. Yes, sir. And uh, <laughs> I I know I needed professional help, so I reached out to Angie and um, asked her about coaching, and we had a nice chat and hit it off, and um, she coached me for most of the next three to four years. Um, and as part of that relationship, we, um, I, you know, I offered to do blogs for them from time to time, and, and that's been uh, a great way for me to kind of combine both my worlds. Yeah, yeah. So in, in terms of that uh, IT band injury, like what was some, some of the things that helped you get back on on track with, with Angie and the coaching? And, and what was the sort of go-to plan for that one? Because that's a tough, tricky road. It is. Um, you know, the best thing was rest at the time. Um, yeah. I just needed to let it heal itself. And, you know, it's the whole rice method, the rest, ice, uh, compression and elevation. Um, and between the rest and the ice, it healed itself um, pretty quickly where I had to DNS one race. She got me to Angie got me to a marathon that was probably about four to six weeks away. Um, and I finished that. And it was a very hilly marathon, too. So she did a great job you know, early on and getting me from where, you know, I, I literally couldn't run to finishing a marathon in a very short amount of time. Now I had trained obviously before that, but I finished that marathon without any aggravation of the injury. So she, um, she definitely helped me through that one. That's awesome. And, and a hilly, a hilly marathon at that, you know, hills are just not fun for the, for the IT, whether you're going up or down them. So that's really awesome. Exactly. What was your what was your finishing time for that one, if you remember? Um, I don't remember. It was at the time it was my slowest. It was roughly four and a half hours. And I yeah. had been right around the four hour mark pretty consistently before that. OK, so for, for those of for those of the audience who are not necessarily runners, when you said I want to circle back to when you were talking about how you DNS. So obviously I know you know what that means, but. Uh, can you explain that to the people who aren't aren't runners? So the difference between DNS and DNF. Sure. So um, this was a Saturday morning race, a yeah. trail race. I think it was a half marathon. And I went to pack up pickup the uh, day before, got my bib, got my shirt, even though I knew that um, I was dealing with some discomfort and pain. Yeah. And I decided uh, in my head that I would go ahead and try to um to run it and i woke up in the morning actually i woke up kind of in the middle of the night and even before i got out of bed i could feel it and i'm like all right this is just not going to happen this is a bad sign and i've been resting you know for a day or two um before the race and i hear i've been lying in bed for several hours and it's you know not right so running is definitely not going to help that so i decided to um, DNS or did not start. So I didn't even bother to go to the race. Wow. Uh, 
And like you mentioned, the DNF is it did not finish. So that's if you start a race, but for one reason or another are unable to complete the uh, the finish, whether it's uh, 26.2 miles or 5K or whatever it is. Yeah. And wow. So you actually really cut it down to the wire. So last second you were going to you were going to race, but just really last second decided not to. What did that what does that do to. Because I know for me, when I go out for a run, if I can't complete it or if I'm not feeling like I can even start it, it it, it frustrates me. It kind of demotivates me. But I, I, I knock on wood, haven't gotten to a race where I've needed to do that. I'm sure with with anything, if you race long enough and, and hard enough, mathematically, you'll get to a race where you can't start. So what does that do to your psyche the, in terms of motivation for running and, and your own personal self? At, at first, it was definitely a disappointment. It was, you know, I paid, you know, with the entry fee, whatever that was. Um, and I had trained a while for it. And it was also a bridge to that marathon that I mentioned. So it was definitely disappointing that I was unable to do it. And it was also then the, the worries about, well, can I actually get to the next race? Because that was only, you know, eight weeks away or whatever at that point. But what I, you know, I rested that day, that Saturday, and then I went on a short run, uh, three miles with my son the next morning, and the IT band hurt every single step of the way. So I was like, okay, I made the right call because 13 miles on this would have set me back pretty far. So I took it as a lesson learned and knew that I made the right call to not go to that race and also look back at my training and what caused the injury to begin with. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's when I knew that I had pushed it too hard, too many days in a row of, of going hard. So I, I took it as, um, you know, a real lesson learned and something that I've tried to, um, you know, keep not in the back of my mind, but actually in the front of my mind as I, you know, continue to train and race just to be sure that, you know, I'm pushing it, but I'm not pushing up. To the point of an injury yeah yeah well that's uh, i guess that's the that's the that's the best case scenario on that one that's the positive i mean it'd be so easy to fall into like just self-pity and, and frustration but the fact that you've learned so much from it and it really forced you to take a look at what you were doing and how to move forward i think that that's 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 the best case scenario so that's uh that's a good lesson for everybody to take from it things are going to happen things are going to come up but if you can use those things that come up to figure out where you're going to go and, and work on a little bit what you've done so far. I think more power to you. That's awesome. Absolutely. And that's, you know, something that I think we have to take the, the long view and one race in August, you know, five years ago, yeah. doesn't matter right now. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, a lot of yeah. runners want to be running in their, you know, later stages in life, whether that's 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, whatever that that may be. And so being able to have that that context and perspective that, you know, one one day when you're not going to run and then uh, run a race and then healing yourself so that you can come back healthy and, and have that um, that long view that I'm going to be doing this for a long time and get a lot of enjoyment out of the longevity rather than just one random race. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's, that's great. I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. What happened five years ago doesn't necessarily have to matter 
today. It's like, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're on a journey, if you're on a fitness journey or something and you miss a workout, it doesn't matter. I mean, try, you know, just pick yourself up because one missed workout out of dozens or however many is, is not going to matter in the long run. As long as you don't string together a bunch of missed workouts because of silly decisions or, or not taking a look at, you know, what needs to change. Exactly. So you, you've come a long way really since then as well, I guess, since you started running, I mean, you've, you've done some amazing things. You qualified for Boston. From what I understand, you weren't necessarily a runner and even your first runs, they weren't, you know, they were, they were, they were first runs. Everybody has those first runs where you make it a mile or two miles and you just kind of hate it, but you continue off anyway, because there's something about running that just is so <laughs> addicting. Right. Right. So from from the starting point, from say your first run to to now, you mean you've, you've finished on the podium, you've run ultra marathons, you've qualified for Boston. How how did that sort of change come about? I mean, obviously with the uh, the coaching and everything from the Marathon Training Academy and Angie, which would have really propelled you. But what? What were the steps sort of that you took and why do you think that you were able to make such a, a big change from beginner newbie runner to serious athlete, amazing runner? Well, thank you for that. I, I appreciate that. Um, the you know, I, I started out um, with the goal. It was literally a bucket list goal that I had written down on a piece of paper, among other things, to finish a marathon. After I had, after my kids had gotten to the point where they were old enough to kind of fend for themselves and I had more free time, I decided if I'm ever going to run this marathon, I, I better start actually running. And so I went ahead and I, you know, bought my running shoes and one spring day headed out um, down the street and did this, it's about a one and a half mile loop and stopped three times and puked in the driveway when I got home and thought I was going to die. So not the best start, but, you know, I had that, I had that dream. I had that wish to, you know, get to the finish line at a marathon. And so then, I, so what I did was I, I really figured that I'd probably gotten more out of shape than I thought I had. And so at about the same time, one of my friends from college on Facebook started po posting every night, we work out number 27 done, we work out number 28 done. And okay. so I asked him okay. what that was. And he goes, oh, it's just this, you know, thing on the Wii and it, you do exercises and it, you know, works on your cardiovascular and that kind of thing. And it, you know, you can kind of go at your own pace. And I thought, huh, that, that actually sounds like a really good idea. So I started that and went through, I think it was like a six week program and just i i thought that if i was able to you know build up my conditioning a little bit then i might be able to have a better experience running and so i did that for six weeks then put the running shoes back on did that same loop and didn't stop and when i got back i was actually like okay i think i think this can happen now and so i um, you know, proceeded to continue running and, you know, <clears throat> my, I got faster and I did a uh, 5k about 
six weeks after that, I think it was, um, finished and felt good. Uh, that fall, I did a half marathon yep. and um, didn't quite get the time I wanted, um, but it, it was definitely a positive experience. And so I set my goal for uh, uh, the following fall to run that marathon. And I was able to do that. And, you know, then I was like, OK, well, what else is next? Because, you know, now I can cross that off the bucket list. But now that I've been running for a year and a half, what else is there? And I didn't quite complete my time goal. So my next, um, you know, goal was to to break four hours. And that was what I wanted to do, which I didn't do in my next race. But I think I beat four hours in my third marathon. And so I just I just kept moving, um, moving the goal line. You know, I, I passed that goal and then I said, OK, you know, I want to do this. I want to do this. And I just kept moving um, the goal line so that I would always have goals that I've been shooting for. So, you know, eventually, uh, you know, through Angie's help, I was able to get uh, a Boston qualifier. Um, didn't yep. get into the race the first time uh, that I qualified. But uh, last year when I qualified for the second time, the time was good enough to uh, get me in. So uh, this April, I will be towing the line at Boston. Nice. So, yeah, the Boston qualifying times, they're kind of, um, they, they, they pull a fast one. It, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is, but you can qualify for Boston. But if you get a Boston qualifying time, it's not really qualifying for Boston because you have to reach the time with X amount of time as a cushion, don't you? Right. So, um they only have so many spots mm. and they have elite athletes and they have um, those who raise money for charity. And then they um, do it in such a way that if you beat your qualifying time by your age group, um, I think it starts out at 20 minutes, yep. then you're in and then they kind of winnow it down from there. And so recently you've had to beat your goal or your qualifying time by this last year was over five minutes. So like you said, it's not enough just to beat it. You've got to be among the fastest of, of the really fast ones in your age group to, to meet that time. Yeah. Yeah, right. So take a listen, everybody trying to qualify for Boston. So, so far, obviously, Henry Howard is just an amazing guy. He's a wealth of information, such an awesome story. So before we get into the second part of the interview, I just want to take a couple of seconds and thank this episode's sponsor, Generation You Can. Now, of course, speaking about the Boston Marathon, as you know, part of my journey, my Breaking the Barrier journey, is heading toward a Boston qualifying time. Now, with that training comes a lot of long runs, a lot of endurance work and I couldn't complete those runs without the help of Generation You Can. So they're a great company. They have clean and natural products anywhere from snack bars to their protein enriched powder to their electrolyte drinks and everything in between. I use personally their snack bars on my long run so I love the chocolate peanut butter flavor and I'll have about half of those bars maybe anywhere from 10 to 15 miles into my run, so anywhere from about 
an hour and 20 to an hour and 45 minutes into my run, I'll, I'll have half a bar and it'll sustain me really, really well. Before my long runs, about an hour before my long runs, I'll have the protein-enriched powder, and I'll mix that with some chia seeds and some water, and I'll just eat it like a gel, like a pudding, and it just it gives me the energy that I need to make sure that I can go as strong as I can on my runs. So if you want to try to get in on the action, you can visit generationucan.com.au and use the code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER for 15% off your first purchase. Breaking the Barrier is one word. And I really highly recommend their sample pack. They have a great sample pack that can just get you going and you can see what works for you. And again, if you're interested in more information, just reach out to me and I'll tell you a little bit more about the product and how it helps me. So again, that's generationucan.com.au and use the code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER for 15% off your first purchase. So now let's get into the second part of my interview with Henry Howard. So I, I just want to uh, go back, crossing the finish line of your first marathon. What was that? What was that like? You know, it was a really special feeling. It was the Indianapolis Monumental, which is an hour from my house. And it's a very flat course. So it was a good first marathon to do. And it was a, it was a, it was in the fall um, here. So it was a cool day. So it was definitely, uh, it wasn't challenging because of the winter conditions or fall conditions. But it was uh, a long time to be out there in the in the cold for the first yep. time. But being able to, you know, have the crowd, there's really excellent crowd support um, at that race and in several spots. So being able to run the last couple of uh, streets, there's a couple turns toward the end and just have wall to wall people cheering for everybody. And yeah. being able to see that finish line, that was that was a special moment. And then realizing that, you know, that piece of paper on my dresser, I would now be able to cross off, finish a marathon was was really an incredible feeling. Yeah, that's that's the best part, I think, of of the race is the the atmosphere of it. Obviously, that mixed with actually completing it's like something like a marathon. I mean, for me personally, I'll, I'll never forget that first time. Uh, crossing that finish line is just extraordinary. Now, going back, I want to circle back. You said something that I, I thought was was interesting. You called it moving your goal line. I think I have an idea of what that means. I mean, you sort of explained it a little bit, but what really, what what does moving your goal line mean for you, and how, how does that benefit you in terms of what you're wanting to do? I'm very goal oriented, and I think that works well with running in that I'm not necessarily going to be motivated by just getting up every day and putting on my gear and going out for four miles, five miles, six miles, whatever it is. You know, I need something on that calendar that I'm shooting for something that um, in some cases, something that scares me. And I want, you know, something on that calendar that I'm aiming for that that's going to help me stick to my training program. That's going to help me go out and, you know, 
stick to the plan for that day, whether it's, you know, intervals and going hard or if it's just taking it, you know, an easy run, yeah. making those e easy days easy. Um, yesterday I had um, six easy miles and, you know, it. I was on the treadmill and, you know, I get to mile three and it's like, how much longer am I going to have to be on, on, on this thing? And <laughs> you, you kind of think about, you know, these miles that I'm putting in now, they won't help me get through my life today. They won't help me tomorrow. But these, plus what I do tomorrow, exercise-wise, plus what I do the next day, plus all these other days, that's building toward, you know, my goal races and what I want to accomplish. And being able to, you know, again, it's taking that long view and seeing, you know, how all these pieces will fit together, um, you know, because that that last half on the treadmill, that sometimes that sucks and it's the longest half hour um, that you'll experience. But being able to understand that that's the work you put in and then you get the payoff sometime later. Yeah, there's something funny about the treadmill. You can be like for me personally, I, I can be running on the treadmill at a slower pace than what I run outside. But damn, it's hard. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that there's something to that. I mean, with all the really successful people that I've talked to, you're in really good company because it's it's all about stringing those little things that you're doing or the, you know, or the big things that you're doing, but stringing them enough of them together into a bigger picture that really, really gets you, gets you to where you want to go. So it's not necessarily what you're doing that moment. But you string that moment with another moment and then more moments after that. And that's what that's what's going to get you to where you got to go. Exactly. Now, again, circling back to finishing marathons. So obviously you've had some podium finishes in, in your age group and in some of the races and everything compared to finishing a race as opposed to finishing a race, knowing that you're a podium finisher. What's that like for Henry? What's that like to finish a race on the podium? I mean, it, it is really special. It, it's not something that, you know, when I cross the line, I necessarily know. Yeah. But, and I don't go into the race, you know, thinking, oh, I've got a shot at the podium. I, I don't know who else is there. Um, right. And I, I want to, you know, my opponent in the race is me. And it's, depending on the race, it's, you know, uh, trying to set a PR or maybe setting a new distance or, you know, whatever my, you know, maybe it's a time, whatever my personal goal for that race is, mm -hmm. I'm not going to worry about anybody else in that field because I can't control what they do. I can control what I can do. And, you know, if I'm fortunate to, enough to land on the podium, awesome. If I'm fortunate enough to PR, awesome. So, you know, at the same time, though, you know, you get to the end of that race and, you know, you're, you've got several people around you. And certainly that, at least for me, the, the competition kicks in. And, you know, there was one race I remember in Colorado where it was a half mile around a park um, or a half marathon around a park. And I had been, you know, going out and uh, running strong throughout the race and, we had made 11-ish, I want to say, and as I turned, I could see 
I think there were three guys who were all kind of together and were a lot closer than I remembered them being. And uh, I thought, okay, I really want to hold these guys off because I didn't, you know, stay an extra day on this work trip to, um, you know, to get beat at the end. Nice. And, and about mile 12, one of them pulled ahead of me. You know, I didn't know how old he was. I didn't, you know, know. I, I didn't even know if they were going to give out age group awards, honestly. But I was like, okay, when we make our uh, second to last turn is when I'm going to go all out and, you know, try to uh, surge ahead of this guy. And so made that turn and I could feel the other two like right on my hip almost at that point. So we were all kind of um, bunched up. I had um, I was behind the first guy my by maybe 10, 12 yards at this point. And I just hit the gas and flew by him and finished strong at the end. And I ended up um, one of the three had finished right behind me. I don't know which one it was. And I ended up um, beating him. He was in my age group and I beat him by a few seconds for third place. So, you know, that was um, that was kind of a special finish because we were all going really hard at the end and I was able to, you know, um, you know, fortunately pass, you know, pass the line before he did. That's awesome. I love that. That's like, it's like a true race. I mean, as much as, and I, I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you that, that your, your only opponent is your, is yourself and, and you can only do what you can do. You can't control anything else, but it's those moments sometimes when you're you find yourself actually racing someone. <laughs> it's like that competitive edge just comes out, and it's like you know what? As much as I'm doing this for me, I want to race this guy, and I want to see I want to see what I'm made of. Uh, and it's for me, it's like a guilty pleasure when I when I pass somebody that <laughs> that passed me earlier on. It also gets back into what we were talking about earlier: the daily training. Yeah. So, you know, where did that two seconds come from? Was that because I did 98% of the workouts that were prescribed and, you know, maybe he did 90? You know, is it because I committed to core work? Um, is it because I had, you know, done more hill repeats? You know, there was, there was something there that paid off at the end. And yeah. so, you know, that also yeah. also drives me that, yeah, you know, this this treadmill workout is going to suck or, oh, man, it's it's late. I'd rather, you know, uh, land the couch than do a core workout. But, you know, knowing that what you put into it, you'll get out of it. Race time, you know, is a motivator for, um, you know, for me to be able to have that performance that, you know, I can be really proud of at the end. And that comes through all the training. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and that that's just a great, I mean, it's a great lesson, really. It's just, you know, there's always somebody who's working either as much as, as we are or harder. And to give ourselves the best possible chance to succeed, we just want to make sure that we we commit as much as we can. Sometimes it's 100%, sometimes it's less than 100%. But if we can honestly get there and say, yeah, I gave it what I could give it, then you're going to see the benefits. That's 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 a real good payoff. Absolutely. So, how do you now 
obviously with with all these things that you're doing and, and you, you constantly have future goals, how do you maintain that mindset that you want to do your best and continue to work towards your goals? I mean, are there like are there days where you get up and you look at the calendar and you see something on there and you're like, I just don't feel like going for it today. Like how do you how do you maintain your enthusiasm for what you're doing? I think it's also in the the training calendar or the the racing calendar where I don't want to create something where I'm putting too many things on the calendar. I'd rather focus on fewer, bigger picture things. Mm -hmm. You know, if I had if I had a big goal race every month, I think that would, you know, lead to mental strain and burnout. Yeah, Um, I race it all in January. I don't have anything in February. I have one, um, it's more of a fun race in March and then think serious. So, you know, I'm, and I've got, um, you know, two big goal races in the first half of this year. And so that's kind of where I'm at, where, you know, six months is a long time, especially when you're doing daily or near daily training. So that's why I like to do it that way where I'm not, you know, gearing up for a race and then I come back down and I gear myself up for another race. It's just better for me to pick out, you know, a few big goal races throughout the year and dedicate myself to those. And if people want to do, you know, I got too, and we can talk about that too but one of my clients right now has a she has a marathon goal um in june but she has another goal of running a half marathon every month of the year which is great which we can work on that and you know for her it's she loves running she's really new to running and she just wants to do as much of it as she can and have fun at races and collect the bling and all that. And that's awesome. That's great that she's found this. Um, and that's what drives her. That's what drives her to do the training. She doesn't care so much about the time. She just wants to be able to do, um, have fun and, you know, check that goal off her list. So that's, that's great. If that's what gets her, um, doing her training, and, um, you know, and focusing on, you know, I, I need to, you know, get myself ready where, you know, I can uh, recover and then do my half marathon in, in February and repeat for March and that kind of thing. Um, so, sorry, it cut out for a few seconds again, <laughs> but I, I got most of that. I got most of that. But there was something that you said. And then what I heard after that was we can maybe talk about that later. Uh, well, that was the woman I was describing was one of my coaching clients. So, um, you know, we can circle back to that when, when you like. Yeah, cool. So that's well, we can talk about it now. So that's that's through. Is that through uh, Run Spirited? Is that what that is? Yeah. So Run Spirited is uh, my website that I started a year and a half ago, almost two years ago. And this past fall. I was uh, certified as a coach from Roadrunners Club of America okay. and been working before I was certified. I was working with um, several of my friends who were runners who had all different goals. And 
I started on that route because I've really felt like I've learned a lot from Marathon Training Academy, Angie specifically, and just as I've experienced highs and lows and, you know, advanced from, um, you know, being a, a non-runner to, um, to the things I've been able to, to do as a runner. And so I've, I wanted to, you know, be able to give back and, and help others who are looking, you know, for whatever goal that may be, whether it's a run their first marathon or a 5k PR or a half marathon every month, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, being able to see my athletes meet their goals is even better than when I meet one of my goals. It's been, it's been great to see, you know, each of them last year, um, you know, set PRs and I was incredibly happy to see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's like seriously paying it forward. Nice, nice work. So, I mean, where, and I'll probably talk a little bit more about this, uh, afterward as well and obviously i'll put some information about it on the show notes but where where can people go to learn a little bit more about run spirited and and and, and your coaching sure so um run spirited is um just like it sounds so run spirited. Um, twitter handle and instagram handle for that um oh, I'll say the run- it cut out again. Say that. I'll say that all again. <laughs> Sorry. So, so on Twitter, it's it's uh, the account is at uh, Run Spirited. Yep. On Instagram, it's the same thing except there's an underscore between Run and Spirited, um, and there's also a Facebook page, Run Spirited. So I was able to kind of brand those together, um, and so in. Uh, both the Twitter and the Instagram are fairly new, so there's not a ton of followers there yet. Um, I also post on my own personal accounts, and so having a unusual name is good because I um, am at Henry Howard on both uh, Instagram and Twitter, and people can certainly follow me there, friend me on Facebook. Um, more than happy to, um, you know, share my running journey, share stories of other inspirational runners, and if people are, you know, interested in, in coaching, um, I'd be happy to have a conversation and, you know, if it feels right for the runner and feels right for me, then, then we can, um, see where it goes. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'll have all that. Yeah. I'll have all that in the show notes and I'll, I'll put it up on Facebook and, and all that good stuff as well so that we can get you, get you some more followers and people that learn about your journey and what it is that you're all about. So, uh, now, just circling back a little bit, where, obviously, actually, that works out really well. As a coach, you, you'd probably have some good insight on this as well. Where do you see that, not that failure is a bad thing, but where do you see that most people fail in terms of setting their goals and, and their journeys toward achieving them? I think it can be, you know, several different ways. Um, I think one is people may not have realistic expectations. I know that I've been in the same boat as well too, where I had wanted to qualify for Boston and, you know, my original timeline with that wasn't realistic. I really 
uh, I, I improved my marathon times early on, but not to the degree that I thought. And so, you know, what I did was I tried to run more. And one thing I learned from Angie is this thing called yoga. And I had never done yoga before. And I thought, well, that, you know, I wasn't sure what to think when she put it on my first um, training plan. But as I did it and core work was added in there as well, too, which I had done a little bit, but not uh, much, uh, you know, in the days um, before Angie. But that yoga really, really helped out quite a bit. And so I think that it's, you know, maybe maybe wanting to have this great goal, um, but not seeing that path to get there. And that, you know, that's why I think a, a coach is really important. I've learned a lot from Angie. I know others have succeeded from personalized coaching as well, too. Um, anyone can download a training plan and follow it. But having a coach who understands you and can see, you know, why or what the athlete needs to do in order to meet his or her goal and understanding how that goal translates to their experience, their, you know, their fitness level, all these kind of things and be able to, um, you know, help the athlete get there. So that's where I, you know, to answer your question, that's having the goal match the the path to get you there i think is is one uh one big thing that um leads to um the f word that you mentioned <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah totally i mean that's 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 another one of those things where it's it's yes the destination is going to be amazing but you really have to pay attention to the journey um and, and in, in my personal case, in terms of coaching, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, my first marathon, I followed like an eight-week program on an app. And whilst it was good because it was my first time really getting into running, there was no, obviously, personalization or anything. And now with my coach, Steve, from, from MTA, Marathon Training Academy, you know, the first thing that he said it, when when I was talking about my IT band niggles was just to, you know, he gave me advice. He told me like, calm down. We're going to take it back for a little bit. And had I not had him, I probably just would have kept going. And cause you know, I have that type a personality where I just gotta, I just gotta go for it, go for it, go for it. And anything less is, you know, uncivilized. So, um, so without, yeah, without having that extra help, it, it could be easy to destroy any chance of reaching the destination. So that was one part of the journey that I had to really pay attention to. Now, this you might have you might have actually already answered this, but I'm going to ask it anyway just in case. Um so if you could give one piece of advice to people trying to be their best selves, what would that be? That's a good question. Um I I I you know, I think it's don't sweat the small stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, we are training for half marathons, marathons, ultras. If you, um, you know, have that day where you need to take an extra rest day or you had a crappy run or, you know, it started raining and you said, 
I'm not doing my 10 miles. I'm, I don't want to run in the rain today. I'm going to cut it short and come back tomorrow. Or you have, you know, you go out with friends and you uh, are excited and you have a little bit too much to eat or a little bit too much to drink, you know, that we're humans. And, you know, if you have a 12 or 16 week training plan for your goal race and you have, you know, run into one of these scenarios, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't beat yourself up the next day. Don't run twice as many miles to make up for whatever you did the day before. Um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that one day out of 12, 14, 16, 18 weeks, not going to matter. You know, just refocus, get back into it, embrace the new day, and you know, figure out what it is on that training plan that you have for that day and go do it and you'll be better off for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. That's uh, that is a good message to give. I think too many of us beat ourselves up for those those moments of, of weakness or those moments of tiredness or frustration. Uh, and then that can really turn into something really negative. I mean, it's easy say for from a from a diet a nutrition perspective personally you know you, you you're on this path to a good nutrition and then all of a sudden one day you eat something that you shouldn't eat and then it's easy to turn that into well I've just ruined the day so I might as well ruin the rest of the day and eat junk oh well I might as well ruin the rest of the week and just screw it and then you're back to square one whereas if you just if you have that moment that mistake and you screw up it's all good just get right back on track and and keep moving forward because it's not going to matter, you know, in, in, a, in a couple months, in a couple weeks, even it's just not going to matter. You just move on, and get go, go forward. Right. Exactly. Would that would you would you give yourself the same advice? So if you were like talking to yourself from, say, 10 years ago, what what piece of advice would you give yourself? Would it be that or would it be something else? Well, 10 years ago, I was not a runner, so I would probably tell myself to um, buy those running shoes and and get moving. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I think and, you know, that's probably part of what drives me now is that I didn't start until I was in my early 40s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being able to enjoy running, enjoy it for a long time and be able to do epic things um you know there's certainly i have less of a timeline than you know somebody in their 20s or 30s has now so it's you know that's part of the motivation as well too is you know and that's you know i can kind of keep that focus along with like i said earlier the you know having fewer but maybe bigger goals uh, on the calendar each year all right so what's what's next for you what what do you What's your next big, uh, big, big goal? Well, this year has a collection of big goals. Um, Boston is the first that we talked about. That'll be my yep. first Boston in April. And the next one after that is my first 100K, which was I had to defer from last year. I was training up last year to do my first 100K when four days before the race,
Brilliant. And obviously, if you're in a different area, you can still associate with your home park run as it was when you first started. But as you move around, you can just kind of change that. Okay. Because we started with Point Cook. Initially, it was our home park run. Right. Once we started up Windmill Park Run, it made sense to switch that. Right. So now Windmill is our home park run. So, um, But it still keeps track of all those stats, all your total runs and stuff. So it just allows that bit of freedom of movement as well. It's not like you have to start over. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's good that way. It's flexible. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously, park run real quick. All right. Before we wrap up, Park Run does recognize milestones. It sure um, does. So, what what are some of the milestones that Park Run recognizes for so both 20, volunteers and runners? So, 20, 25 times a volunteer um, for junior Park Runners, so anyone under 18, um, once they've done their 10th Park Run, they get a milestone uh, t shirt. I've done 10 Park Runs, but, <laughs> but I'm 34. <laughs> And then for adults, it's uh, 50, 100, and 250. Yeah, which is quite a rare one, but our wow. friend Kate from Point Cook Park Run, she is one of the first people in our circle of Park Run friends to hit that milestone the just recently. 250 Park Runs. So, Even okay. with volunteering as much as she does. For those of you yeah. playing at home, not that the, this is what she did, but you that's like five and a half years. Yeah. A park run every week. If you were to never volunteer,